Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What is up, Dolphins? And welcome into a special Sunday night edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast for Sunday, June the 24th, or Monday, June the 25th, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. But I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we're taking a spin around the AFC East, around the Miami Dolphins division. Where do the Dolphins position groups rank up amongst those four teams? And what will the records of the Pats, Jets, Bills, and Dolphins be for 2018? Also, keep your receipts. We're talking about which tweets are on our radar for the upcoming season. And we'll dive into the Lost Tweet Vault of yours truly. But first, I kindly remind you guys to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Those reviews and ratings and subscriptions help the podcast grow and get out to more Dolphins. So we greatly, greatly appreciate that. Follow me on Twitter at WingfulNFL and follow the show at LockedOnFins. Of course, the number one blog in the Lockdown Network, LockedOnDolphins.com. We have daily content for you guys up there, even throughout the course of the slow period this summer. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And one of the things the network wants me to do more is explain to you guys my credentials or my, I guess, overall resume for why I'm here, why I'm the host of this podcast. And this episode really... I should probably do more of that just because I'm going to be talking about three other teams that we don't talk about on the podcast very much at all. I get into it probably more than the other hosts do. I think a lot of fans of the podcast don't want to hear much about other teams other than the Dolphins or whatever team that particular podcast is about. But we're going to get into the AFC East today, and I have been doing this practice for I don't know how long now. Over a decade, I would get this magazine, the Pro Football, the Pro Football Weekly Season Preview magazine, every single year. I read it cover to cover. I would memorize the starting lineups and the key contributors. I would basically study like an exam on them and memorize all 32 NFL starting lineups and. I guess, key role players behind them. So that's my credentials for this practice. I watch the film now much more than I did back in the past. Obviously, the All-22 have a great grip on all these teams. And of course, our Miami Dolphins, as I've been writing and podcasting about them for about a combination of 12, 13 years now. So that's me, Travis Wingfield, Locked On Dolphins podcast host here. And let's go ahead and get this one started with first down. That's another Miami Dolphins so the very first item on the agenda before I get into this is the lost tweets of yours truly. Tweets that I write out but don't wind up sending out. And I was doing one this morning on Sunday comparing the position groups in the AFC East. And as you guys know, as part of the Know the Enemy series on LockedOnDolphins.com, I have the Titans up and the Jets up right now for you guys. Check that out, LockedOnDolphins.com. I have been studying these rosters, the coaching changes, last year's film, the new scheme, everything we need to know about the Dolphins' 13 different opponents for the season. And I wanted to focus in on the teams that make up more than one-third of the Dolphins' schedule, of course, the AFC East foes in the Bills, Jets, and Pats. And I was writing a tweet this morning on Sunday morning, like I mentioned, and ended up going back on it and just pulled it off, deleted it, didn't even save it as a draft. And this is a regular practice for me because I'll author a tweet, I'll consider the reactions, and I'll hit send if I'm okay with the expected response that I'll get. But in this case, 
I felt like having an easier going Sunday morning. There was some World Cup games on. I was excited about the England victory. Congrats to you guys. I know we have a good following over there in the UK, so congrats to England on advancing to the knockout stage. And that Germany game yesterday, my God, that was fantastic. What You just can't top that kind of drama. And that's why sports are the ultimate best. The Mariners are at Fenway right now playing the rubber match of a three-game series. So I wanted to go through a morning without my mentions exploding from the Jets and Bills faithful because my tweet was talking about how far out in front of the Jets and the Bills the Dolphins roster currently is despite common misconceptions in the national media. And I thought to myself, hey, I've got a podcast. Why don't I just talk about it on there? So I'm going to talk about the other three teams for a bit, what their off-seasons mean for the Dolphins. Let's go ahead and kick that off right now, starting with Dad, the New England Patriots, the fucking New England Patriots, the keepers of the crown for the 14 of the last 16 years, eight Super Bowl appearances, five championship rings, seven consecutive AFC or AFC championship game appearances, eight 12-win seasons in a row. You guys know the history, but they have had some significant losses this off-season. The offensive line has been remade. But then you look at the personnel and the fact that they still have Dante Scarnecchia, the famed offensive line coach, who essentially rejuvenated this group from a bad one in 2015 in the AFC Championship game when the Broncos just obliterated Tom Brady, brought them back into being an elite group. They drafted Isaiah Wynn, who's a great-looking prospect from Georgia. Trent Brown comes over from the 49ers for a mid-round draft pick. They lose Nate Solder, the left tackle, but it's almost at this point a wash because of those moves. They still have Joe Tooney, David Andrews, Shaq Mason, all good players in the middle. Marcus Kans, a solid right tackle. I don't think that group regresses at all. The Gronk-Brady drama didn't manifest into anything. They're both back. They're both all pros. They're both Hall of Famers. They lose Deion Lewis, replace him with a back that I personally feel is better in Sony Michelle. So the offense to me is picking up right where it left off. I'm not worried about that if I'm a Patriots fan. The defense, the pass rush is still wanting, although getting Dante Hightower back likely fixes that because the entire defense is built around his versatility, both as a blitzer and coverage and what he does off the edge as well as in the middle, off ball and on the line of scrimmage linebacker. Derek Rivers, the guy from Rutgers coming back from the ACL, not Rutgers, he was a smaller school it's blanking me right now. He's a smaller school prospect from last year. I think it was Youngstown State. Derek Rivers off the ACL. He looks pretty good too. Danny Shelton's on the inside now. Jason McCourty, another newcomer. He will join his brother Devin McCourty in the secondary, trying to compete for the job to fill that Malcolm Butler left when he departed for the Titans. They're three deep at safety. They run more variations than any other team in the NFL. They're coached so well on that end. So I want to say this is the year they fall apart. But I just don't see it. It's not yet. I think it starts soon. I think it's going to happen sooner than later. But I just don't think it's going to happen this year. So the Patriots, for what they are, they're back and loaded again. Tom Brady's back. There's all that drama, all the Alex Guerrero stuff. But I just don't think it's going to have an impact just yet. We're going to start seeing these effects maybe in a year or two down the road. So still the Patriots looking good as ever. And we have two more other shitbag teams in this division to talk about. The Dirty Jets and the fan base with the least teeth per mouth in the NFL per capita. Of course, the Buffalo Bills. We'll talk about that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. It's at Wingfield NFL and at Locked On Fins. Cheap shots aside to the fan base and some of my buddies on Twitter, you guys know that I love you. Other podcast hosts from the Jets and the Bills, like the Rockpile Report, the Jets Film Room with Kyle Smith and Joe Blewett, of course, Chris Kruger and Drew Greer from the Bills Rockpile Report, Kyle Fahey, my Jets fans. I have a lot of those guys out there. We started this kind of 
up and coming thing together a couple of years ago doing the podcasting stuff. I have to thank those guys enough. I can't thank those guys enough for getting me into the industry and getting started, but I'm going to talk crap about your two teams now. So let's start with the Buffalo Bills. The offensive line is completely remade. It's a complete atrocity up front. They replaced Eric Wood, which one scout says I read online that going from from Eric Wood to Ryan Groh, or Groy, I should say, is a net gain or a net not much of a, a step back for them at that position. But they lose Richie Incognito. They trade away Cordy Glenn. Deion Dawkins steps in at left tackle. The offensive line is all the way different, completely remade, and that was built on a strong running game with cohesiveness and continuity. So we'll see if they can pick that up. Highly doubt that. They think Kelvin Benjamin's a number one receiver, and he's a bad receiver. He can't create any separation. Go back and watch his 2016 tape for the Carolina Panthers, and you'll see a guy that just cannot get open whatsoever. Didn't change last year. They traded him off for a mid-round draft pick and then gets himself hurt in Buffalo for the second time in his career. Zay Jones had a rookie year that was about as bad as it can get until he found himself running around an apartment complex in Los Angeles naked. So he's having a fun time out there as well, not contributing as much on the field as he does in the courthouse. The entire team runs through LaShawn McCoy, but with the quarterback being, it's, it's not Tyrod Taylor anymore. And thank science that that guy's gone now because his two best games every year were against the Dolphins. But I wonder how effective McCoy can be without the threat of the read option, without the misdirection, without the ability to throw the football so deep like they did so many times with Taylor because Taylor's two strengths were running the ball and throwing the ball deep. But especially now that McCoy's on the wrong side of 30 and he's kind of learning a new offensive line, has a new quarterback, a whole new system there on, on the Buffalo offensive side of the football. I don't know that he can be as effective as he has been in the past because he's one of the most shifty, elusive, best running backs I can recall in the last decade or so. But this offense is, is just horrendous in general. So he has to carry them again. The defense, it's not in great shape, shape either. Jerry Hughes is their best pass rusher. He had four sacks last year and carries a huge contract, something he could actually get cut in training camp. Matt Milano, a fifth-round rookie from last year. Lorenzo Alexander, a 34-year-old outside linebacker. Those guys flank Tremaine Edmonds on the inside. And I read that they were interested in giving Tremaine Edmonds the quarterback helmet of the defense, which would fly directly in the face of his abilities. He's got tremendous upside. We had Benjamin Solak from NDT scouting on the podcast a while back talking about Tremaine Edmonds being a potential pick for the Miami Dolphins and how it would be good for us because we're rebuilding and he's not going to be ready in year one to be a big difference maker. I think it's a mistake to put him in that position early on and giving him so much to learn where he doesn't really have the pass rush moves yet. He doesn't have the the small the solid instincts yet to play the position and play at a fast level. So I think it could be a rough rookie year for him and those other linebackers. You go back to the defensive line, Shaq Lawson is the other starting defensive end. He's done a whole lot of nothing in his career so far. They signed Trent Murphy, who come who comes off of a torn ACL last year with the Redskins. Inside, they still have Kyle Williams, who is just a god in that city, in that town. And they gave an above-average Starla Tulele a massive contract. And the move they made that I do love on the inside is drafting Harrison Phillips. So they are better on the interior. Should help their run defense a little bit. But we'll see if Kyle Williams can stay healthy going into year 14, as the guy has just been a complete Trojan horse for them. And of course, the one position group on the team that I do actually like is the secondary, which is a running theme for the AFC East. Tredavious White was one of my favorite players in 2017's draft, and he had a fantastic rookie year, proving his worth in year one. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer combined for 10 interceptions and 28 pass breakups. That 
has incredible ball production from a pair of safeties. Of course, that will not be repeated again. That type of stuff does not carry over year to year, but you can see what kind of ball hawks those two are. Our old friend Vontae Davis has a chance to start on the other spot at cornerback alongside Trey White, and then slot is a major hole. Teron Johnson, a rookie, competing for that job as well as Philip Gaines inside. So we'll see what happens with them. They were carried by a defense a year ago and will have to do the same again this year. And then there's the Jets. And they didn't address the right side of the offensive line. That simply is not any good. Cam Wake gets Brandon Shell for, it seems like a sack, a sack and a half, maybe a couple of sacks per game. Every time he sees him, Brian Winters is still there as well. Eh, not much there. They replaced the center who Kyle Smith of the AFC East Bros formerly said was one of the biggest weaknesses on the team. And I like Travis Swanson, possibly Spencer Long there. But they left the left side of the line alone as well. Kelvin Beachum, James Carpenter, both above average players, but that's not a lot to write home about. Their tight ends are a fourth round rookie. Jordan Leggett and Clive Wolford, who was cut from the Raiders this offseason. They have 1 million receivers on the roster, but only one that's really any good. But he has more arrests than he does NFL accolades. Of course, Robbie Anderson. They brought over Terrell Pryor, who had like 300 yards in Washington last year. They still go with Jermaine Curse, who he's just a guy in the league. He's nothing special. And then they have a million other guys behind them. Chad Hansen, Ardarius Stewart, a whole lot of nothings so far in the NFL. The strength of this team used to be the defensive line, but only one guy is left, and that is Leonard Williams. He is absolutely dominant. But other than that, they have a nose tackle space eater, Stephen McClendon, and then Henry Anderson is the other defensive end. I do love the rookie defensive end, Nathan Shepard, out of Fort Hayes State. He could have a big impact and take over a starting role early on. They haven't really had a pass rusher since Jonathan a- or John Abraham left to Atlanta several years ago, and that hasn't changed. Jordan Jenkins and Lorenzo, Mald- Lorenzo Maldon are the outside linebackers. Inside linebackers of Deron Lee, he finished very last among all PFF inside linebackers, and they swapped out Demario Davis, who played every snap for the Jets' defense, for Avery Williamson, who struggles in coverage and only played 60% of the snaps for the Titans last year, got a huge contract in the process, so a strange move there. Like the other defenses in the division, the secondary is the strength of this team. Jamal Adams is a bad, bad man, and we have to stay as far away from him as possible when playing the Jets. Marcus May, his fellow rookie safety last year, isn't quite the same, had a very bad year as far as PFF is concerned, and the tape kind of backs that up as well. The cornerbacks are the strength of the roster, and the big money man, Tremaine Johnson, he comes over from the Rams after a bit of a down year and a contract year for him, but he comes over. He's a fantastic football player. Mo Claiborne had a great year last year, but the slot is still a huge area of concern as Buster Screen is still there competing with Justin Burris for a slot position there. And then the quarterbacks, Josh McCown had a nice year last year, a nice year. I wouldn't go any further than that. Teddy Bridgewater, We'll see what happens with him, but I think Sam Darnold could actually get the start there on week one. We'll see. That'll be the most interesting part of this team is who the quarterback is come week one. But nonetheless, I'm just not that worried about any of the quarterbacks immediately as far as the Miami Dolphins are concerned. And talking about the New York Jets, we have a piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com. It's called the Know the Enemy piece, New York Jets. You can go there and find out about all the newcomers, the departed veterans, the snap count expectations, easy enough for me to say, the film study, the coaching changes, everything you guys want to know about all of our opponents up there at LockedOnDolphins.com. Know the enemy, the written word of kind of what I'm talking about on this podcast here and talking about these rosters and 
just trying to figure out how the hell these rosters are better than what the Dolphins have. Is it Nathan Peterman? Is it A.J. McCarron? Is it Josh McCown? Is it the rookie quarterbacks, the leaky offensive lines, the lack of anything at wide receiver, the front sevens that have zero pass rush and struggle with the run? I, I just, I don't see it. This stuff gets me super hot when I see it online. So I'm going to come back with the last segment here where we talk about the tweet that has sparked all of this conversation. We're going to rank the position groups among the AFC East and give you my final summer stamp on AFC East records next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. It's at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. I should know better by now than to give terrible tweets and terrible Twitter accounts any recognition of the podcast. But this guy has a blue check mark. I'm not really sure exactly what he does. His name is Michael Salfino. We can actually go to his Twitter profile real quick and see exactly what the hell it is that he does. His information says sports analyst for Meadowlands Media. Oh, a Jets fan. Interesting. Meadowlands Media Group, whose clients include the WSJ 538 Yahoo, Views Express, do not... Yeah, okay, so he is a, I, I suppose, journalist. I, I don't know, but with takes like this, it really makes you wonder what type of journalism he is into, because it certainly isn't football. And I'll read the tweet for you guys. It's, it's Michael Salfino, at Michael Salfino. Go let him know what you think about this. The Dolphins have the division's worst quarterback. <laughs> the Jets and Bills might have a good one where Tannehill's cake is baked. A GM who does not seem to understand football more than a casual fan. The related terrible cap situation, in short, utterly hopeless. After I just went through and read to you guys all the problems with the Jets and Bills rosters, that's his claim to fame there. So let him know how you feel about that tweet. It's completely awful. And just keep the receipt on that one, dude, because I'm coming back to you in January when you're completely wrong and the Dolphins have multiple more wins than both the Jets and Bills. And speaking of that, let's go ahead and rank each position group for the upcoming season in the AFC East. I got this idea from the Move the Sticks podcast, Daniel Jeremiah, the best in the business. And he was talking about how they, when he worked in the NFL, the personnel departments would rank how they fared in the division at each position group. And I kind of gave them an idea of where they had to go in the offseason or maybe even in-season moves or how they can change things. And so I'm going to go ahead and do that with the AFC East and start with the quarterback position. Uh, number one, tough call here. I'm going to go with the Patriots. I think Tom Brady has earned that right. I think that's a joke for you guys. Don't come at me on Twitter telling me that I think that Ryan Tannehill is better than Tom Brady. So number one quarterback, New England Patriots, two Miami Dolphins, three New York Jets. I think Teddy Bridgewater and Josh McCown give them a lot more hope than the Buffalo Bills, who come up at the rear. Number four, running back Buffalo Bills. I'm sticking with LaShawn McCoy. Dolphins number two, Kenyon Drake is going to be a superstar stud. Number three, the New England Patriots, Sony Michelle going to light it up. And then the New York Jets. They are all excited about Isaiah Crowell, so we'll give them that, I suppose. Wide receiver, I'm going to go with New England Patriots, number one, because I'm going to group tight ends into this as well, and Rob Gronkowski puts that group well ahead of anybody else in the division. Dolphins, clearly number two out in front of the Jets and Bills, as the Jets are three, Bills are fourth there once again. Offensive line, Patriots number one again, Dolphins number two again, Jets number three again, Bills number four again. Kind of a theme here on the offensive side of the football. Defensive line, the Dolphins have the best in the division. The Patriots are number two behind them. The Jets are number three with Leonard Williams kind of holding the fort down there. And the Buffalo Bills are number four because they have nothing as far as pass rushers go. Linebackers, the Patriots are number one because of Dante Hightower coming back. He's the best player in the division at that position. But all these groups really suck. They're, they're terrible. And you can spice it really any way you want. Let's go ahead and go with Buffalo because of the high pick in Tremaine Edmonds. And Matt Milano was nice last year. 
And Lorenzo Alexander, even though he's old, still plays pretty good football. The Dolphins, number three, with Raekwon McMillan coming back. Hopefully, Jerome Baker gets in there. And then the New York Jets with Deron Lee, who's been an absolute tire fire, and those two outside backers that haven't produced a whole lot of anything in their career. Secondary-wise, each of these secondaries are strong. Buffalo, number one, can't deny that. The Jets, number two, even though they have a big hole at the slot cornerback. Dolphins, number three, and Patriots, number four. I think you could probably put these two through four in a hat and draw out of that one, but that's what we're going to go with for now. Coaching, the Patriots number one, that's pretty much a given. The, the Dolphins at number two, the Bills at number three, and the Jets at number four. And this point total, if you got, if you were number one in your position group, you got four points. If you were last, you got one point. So the point totals here, the Patriots got 26, the Dolphins got 23, and the reason them being three points off isn't that crazy is because the Patriots roster, it's been this way for a long time, really isn't that fantastic. It's all about the coaching, getting the most out of the players they do have, and obviously the fact that the quarterback is weighted most heavily of all those positions. So that's why the Patriots being a few points better than the Dolphins with Tom Brady in the fold really kind of doubles that number down. So a much bigger difference than just three points there. So Patriots 26, Dolphins 23, big drop off to the Bills at 17, another drop off to the Jets at 14. So that's the way the division folds. That's the way the division will go as far as records go. And the records, I'm going to go with these ones, the Patriots. I want to say they're going to come back to the pack. And while I do believe the end is very near, it's not 2018, but I think this will be the last year they're of, very, very serious, like penciled into the Super Bowl contending type of team. They go 12-4. and four. The Dolphins, you guys know my prediction here. It hasn't changed since the offseason began. I'm confident in this coaching staff. Build a team around what Ryan Tannehill does well in his strengths. Getting the defense playing hopefully better than it did last year. I'm going with 10-6 and six for the Dolphins. Two years, two games behind the New England Patriots. And then look at the Buffalo Bills. Their first half schedule. Try to find me more than two wins in that first half schedule. They go with like the Ravens, the Packers, the Vikings, the Patriots. It's a murderer's row of games for them to start the season off. It's going to be growing pains in the early part. And then Josh Allen comes in and he struggles with an offense that is just about as bad as what he had at the horrendous Wyoming football program last year. The Bills go 4-12 and and finished six games behind the Miami Dolphins. And then bringing up the rear, the Jets, they're going to be the first team to fire their coach this year, Todd Bowles. He doesn't really have control of that team. We heard the stories about how Muhammad Wilkerson basically showed up for meetings whenever he wanted to, came to his own birthday party late. Josh McCown's not going to repeat what he did last year. He might wind up with Sam Darnold playing from number one from the first day on. I never really liked his game to begin with, especially in year one. Don't like it. Still not a very good offensive line. The skill positions are both below average. The front seven is a disaster. They have absolutely no pass rush. And while they have some nice pieces like Jamal Adams, Tremaine Johnson, Mo Claiborne, you still have to put Buster Screen on the field when it comes to the nickel corner or the nickel slot defense or Justin Burris, whoever you want to put out there. And we saw what can happen when they have one player on the field that is that bad. You look at Kenny Stills in that Jets game last year. So the Jets lack of depth, poor coaching, not a good roster to begin with. They go four and twelve as well. So Patriots twelve and four, Dolphins ten and six. Bills and Jets, both 4-12, and 12, and that is it. We are going to revisit this discussion, of course, once camp concludes as we get closer to the end of the offseason and get ready for the 2018 season. I'll probably do an entire NFL prediction episode, but as for today's podcast, that will just about do it. You guys, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review once you are there. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And follow our flagship show at LockedOnNFL, both on Twitter and Facebook. Check out the number one rated blog in the Locked On Network, LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a terrific rest of your Monday. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.